I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. This week's episode of Andy's Girls is brought to you by... This week's episode of Andy's Girls. Guys, do you love AG? Do you like when I spout some sass about whomever with the stuff and the whatnot? I love doing it, and I love hearing from you. Uh, the number one way to show your appreciation from Andy's Girls, aside from Venmoing me a dollar in the name of your favorite housewife, please do that as soon as you listen to this advertisement, is by subscribing to the podcast. Rate and review it five stars, a simple 950-word essay on why Andy's Girls has changed your life, maybe a little emotional, but in a positive way. Like, subscribe the show, follow me on social at Sarah Galley on Instagram at Dame Galley. And cheerio, AG London listeners. I will be in your neck of the woods. That's right. For two days, I'm going to be a honorary lady of London and we'll be uh, hosting a turtle time with yours truly, SG. It's going to be May 12th at seven o'clock RSVP for you and a friend who is the LVP to your Kyle, the Bethany to your Jill. I guess what I'm saying is someone that you maybe no longer speak to, RSVP for you and feel free to bring a friend to the London Turtle Time SG Kiki Andy's Girl Show at gmail.com. Shoot me an email with your name and guest count and location will be sent to you a little bit closer to the event. I really look forward to meeting and I always love when I meet um, listeners and fans of Andy's Girls and I'm so excited to hop on a flight 
I hope it's going to be Erica Jane's jet. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Air France economy and really look forward to meeting with some of our um, European listeners. So guys, I hope that includes you and, um, you know, subscribe, like the show, follow me on Insta and respond to a sassy poll. Okay. Enough about me. Here's more about me. Enjoy this week's episode of Anti-Scrolls. I filed an extension for my taxes, not my patience. I'm not just Stassi's interviewer. I'm also the demon she exercised. (laughs) You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 103. I still can't believe it's not episode like 12 or 13. Feels like episode 5,000. Right? Thank you. You you can't believe how many there have been. I can't believe how few there have been. Oh my God. Because we're such a part of the lexicon at this point. Absolutely. And I feel like just the two of us, I feel like we've at least done like 500. Well, our episode of Bethany v. Carroll is one for the history books where we were screaming at each other. Yeah, I think we we did record for several days. It well, it felt like several it days. It felt like several days. You guys, all this to say, I'm so excited to be joined by none other than writer, boy wonder, stasiologist, and creator of the High Drama Newsletter, which covers content on horror, theater, and housewives, Lewis Peitzman in the hizzy. Oh my God, no one's ever been that excited to introduce me. I'm so happy oh to be God, here. Oh my God, listen, I bring the excitement... There's so much for us to talk about. We were just talking before I press record about like every time right before I start recording, I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to talk about? Is there stuff going on? And then I realized like we're going to be here for hours and hours and hours. I canceled all my plans. I mean, as well, you should. This is your number one priority in life. It always is. to kiki on AG. Yeah. So tell me everything. First off, I'm sure many of our listeners know, but you wrote a piece about beloved Stasi Schroeder, star of Vanderpump Rules. Star of Rules. Star of Vanderpump Rules for the New York Times. It came out this past Sunday in the, I think like the cover of the style section, wasn't it? I think it I was. I don't think it was this, uh, it wasn't the cover cover. It was, it was on the cover in like the top corner. It said like, oh my God. read this interview on page, whatever it was. Oh my God. So do you I have. I haven't seen a copy yet. <gasps> you didn't buy yourself a no. copy and go outside and have a moment like Carrie Bradshaw? You know, no, I didn't. When my first Times article came out, I got one in L.A. Wait, what was your first Times article on? It was in the theater section. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, it, does theater, ma- it, do- I mean it does matter. It does only, matter to me, but I, I, it's this not is the theater of Bravo. Your, your theater listeners. Of Bravo. Yeah. Um, and uh, with this one, I just knew my parents would buy several copies. So I decided mm. to get one from them. And I also was like, you know, I don't have a big apartment and I've been throwing everything out. So I was like, do I really want to oh like add a newspaper to the piles? So you decided to Marie Kondo yourself from buying a copy of the New York kind Times? Kind of. It, and it do- the thing is, it does spark joy. But I also like... You know, I might, we'll see. I might frame it eventually. So tell me and the listeners everything because you haven't told me anything. So how did this happen? What was she like? What did you eat with her? Was ranch involved? Okay. Yeah. So were you in LA for this? Right. I don't even know where to begin, but basically um, she had a book coming out. You know, I, I haven't done a lot of like interviews about, interviews with reality people even though i love reality people um there's some stories you you know that i have a story that i've been working on that hasn't ever you know gone past doing some interviews so Mm -hmm. there's that which we we can't talk about in detail but it's been like a kind of a a, an ongoing project um 
But it's hard to do like, you know, interviews with like Bravo people, especially because it's it's actually kind of like a small audience. Like it's a very specific audience. It's, and it's so, niche. It's right. niche. So when I would write about like Housewives, this was and this started when I was back at, at BuzzFeed. When I would write about Housewives people, it just wouldn't really like hit that big. And so okay. I've never really I haven't done that much of it. Um, but I wanted to. And so when I saw Stassi had a book coming out, I was like, okay, Vanderpump Rules is like my obsession and it was a relatively recent obsession. So I should do this. I should like, you know, make it happen. So I pitched the story, um, to my editor and at Buzzfeed, at Buzzfeed. Um, and I was going to LA to see, uh, to see my parents uh and friends and whatever so i i was like while i'm there i'll i'll interview her so i pitched it to her people and we it was actually like the timing was really rough because i hate flying i take you know mm-hmm. a buttload of xanax i don't literally put it in my butt i just take a lot of xanax <laughs> to fly and so but the only day she could do was the day that i got in so i had to i had a Early morning flight. I got in. No, I did not abstain. I cannot fly without it. So I got in at like 11 a.m. And I like had to kind of like make the Xanax wear off and interviewed her that afternoon in West Hollywood at the Belmont, which is mentioned in, in her book. Um, is that like a famous? I don't know L.A. terribly well. Is that like no, a famous just, hotel? No, it's a it's like a restaurant? bar restaurant. Okay. But it's, it's where I mean, they go there a lot. It's like their their hangout their central perk. I don't know if it's ever been on the show actually she calls it their central her central perk yeah oh, but I don't think it's ever I don't know if it's ever been on the show maybe oh. someone will write Enlighten it and us. be like okay it totally has uh but like like my friend was there um the other day and texted and said that like uh Katie was there and Brittany and their moms were there so interesting I think their moms were there whatever yeah but it's like definitely like a Vanderpump Rules hangout so you met her and what was she like uh, she was great. She was so nice. And she was early. Um, yeah, she seems like a pro. I mean, she's she gets very, this. she's like super. And I've been told like she will, cause I wanted to get a full hour at least. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we got the time and her publicist was like, you know, don't worry. She's like on time. Mm-hmm. And I got there and she, I actually was like hanging out outside waiting for the publicist to get there. And I thought the publicist arrived and we walked in and Saucy had like been there. Uh, she's just very early. So how was the publicist involved? Did she ever say, or did she, she or he rather say at any points, like, don't ask that question Were there ground rules or was no, it like, I don't do conditional whatever. interviews. So, right. um, it's not journalistically ethical to do conditional interviews. Okay. And like the thing I always tell people when they're like, if your publicist is like, okay, this, you can do this, but this is off limits. I always say like, we don't do conditional interviews, but, um, I don't know if that's going to come up or not, but I can tell you that like, if your client doesn't want to talk about it, all they have to say is I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And that's on the record. Right. I think that what people don't want is like, I had an interview once with someone who shall not be named and their publicist wanted to make sure I didn't ask any questions about me too. And I was like, I can't promise that. Like the thing is I wasn't going to, it was not at all what we were talking but about. But you also don't know how the, where the conversation is going to go. And you can't, you can't agree ahead of time. And, and also like, if you tell me not to ask about something, then I'm obviously going to be more likely to ask about it. Cause I'm like, why do you not want to talk about it? But I think what they don't want is that to be like on the record that they refuse to talk about this subject. Totally. So I understand, but also like, it's not super interesting to a story to be like, depending on what the topic is and who the person is. But yeah. like most of the time I'm not going to be like, they refuse to talk about this thing. Well, that's my thing when I'm interviewing Bravo Lebs for AG or something else. 
I mean, what I go in thinking like they're a human person. So I want to have a conversation with them, but also there have been interviews that have been offered to me that I've turned down because I know that that person isn't going to want to discuss what I want to discuss. Right. And I'm not just going to kiki with you about whatever the fuck you're like selling. Now I, I am first and foremost, like a super stan of all things Bravo. So I'm going to want to talk about what happened your season of X, Y, or Z. And it can, be, can become complicated. I mean, I've had, I've had teams of Bravo Labs like suggest ideas of things to right. discuss and not to say that they weren't shady. They were shady as fuck, but it also wasn't like coming from me. It was something that they wanted to do to make waves or whatever else. Right. And that's they want to get it out there. No, that's right. not it's, it's, at the do. end of the day, it's about having a conversation. So it sounds like you had a great one with Stassi and also with Bo. Yeah. Well, so there wasn't anything off limits with Stassi. Like there wasn't anything her publicist said, don't talk about, you know, and I had a lot I wanted to cover. Um, and I also like, it was hard because like, obviously I have like a million questions totally. that are very specific about the show. Yeah. And she wrote this book and it was more about like, you know, I wanted to talk about her, uh, her career and also how I feel like she's kind of like this perfect, like self-made reality star. I yeah. think of her as like, you know, a Bethany type where mm -hmm. she's this kind of breakout star. She's just really funny, really smart, really good on camera and has had this really fascinating arc. And I think what she and Bethany do so well is that they are really funny and they do have these like perfect sound bites, but also they, they're really emotionally open and they show themselves in a way that I think people don't like, you don't quite realize that. Like, I think that, um, Saucy over the years and Bethany, maybe you disagree. Cause I know we have slightly different opinions on Bethany, Did but you I notice think the that shirt I'm wearing, by the way, I didn't. Carol's last good summer. Oh, We're gonna my take God. a photo of it after. Hello, um, represent. I I think that I think that they both kind of know exactly how much to show of themselves on reality TV and yeah. how to like and how to stand out as a reality star. Sure. And conversely, they know when they want to shut the fuck up and be closed off. And there have been times for both of them, and especially with Stassi, where she's like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to do this anymore. And it's not necessarily good TV, but they've both learned lessons as, as a result of that. Right. It doesn't mean that they come in and they're great and fully packaged. You've also seen what happens when they decide to turn off the lights, which we're seeing in Atlanta. We're seeing on some oh, of these other God. shows. Atlanta's is, a disaster. We'll we'll talk about that later, obviously. But. Yeah, I mean, I think, but I think it's interesting when you see someone who knows they're a star, who you know they're a star, and they decide that for whatever reason they're above it or don't want to be involved in it. Right. And that can be that can actually be interesting to watch as long as it is a chapter in the book and not like an entirely new thing. I think it's there's a difference though. I think there's a difference between like. Um, you know, Nini or Bethany being like, I'm, I'm over this show. I'm above it at this point. I don't need it anymore. Yeah. And like walking away. Then what happened with Stassi on Vanderpump Rules, which is that she was dealing with um, a boyfriend who was super emotionally manipulative and mm -hmm. didn't want her to film. Patrick. Uh, yes. And she was dealing with uh, an ex who was trying to sell her sex tape. And yeah, for like $900, what was it? Or he got it. Yeah. He got it from Lisa. From Lisa. And that's, it's in her book. She can't like, it's, it's tough because like we all know who it is, but legally she can't talk about it. I don't know who it is. You don't know who it is. Who is it? It's not Jax. No. Why can't we say it out loud if everybody knows? I think that they're worried he's going to sue someone. Wait, but is it someone that we know? Yeah. He was on the show. Frank? 
you know what? What is the, what does it matter? <laughs> oh my god! The point is, wait. That you know what's so weird? I never, I have never for a second thought about who that person is. I just assumed it was somebody oh, that yeah. I'd never heard of. No, no, no. It's <gasps> what a piece of shit that guy was. Yeah, yeah. He was always like, I know that Jax is the devil, but there was something weird about Frank. There was always something odd. He was not quite duplicitous enough for TV, or maybe it was just that he wasn't entertaining there's something real. i mean the obviously shit happened that indicated bad character um yeah but i think that like when oh you look God. at that like i don't think it was a matter of her being like i'm a star and i'm leaving to be famous i think it was like i need to protect myself yeah and i and and so like that reunion where she came back after being gone she was estranged yeah. from everyone and she yeah, came yeah. back and it was really awkward it was like and katie that, was like go fuck yourself but the sex tape came up in that reunion it did because lisa and, was and, like i gave you money and you didn't right. appreciate it right and I think like, but I think it was a lot, there was a lot going on that we didn't realize. And a lot of that was the sex tape. And a lot of that was, um, that Patrick was just like horrible. Um, taking a turn from what sounds like an amazing experience and shout out to Stassi and also Ranch. Um, what are your thoughts on Pump Rolls this season? Um, I, I really enjoy it this season. I'm having a blast. You don't feel like, I feel like there's a little bit of a drop. I think it's because... The having sex with Faith near an elderly woman was such a high. Like, there was so much that happened in the season before that even it feels like they're growing up a little bit. Oh, absolutely. With that growing up, it's like, what are we losing as a result of it? It's a different show. Right. I've been so used to it being like an 11 that now that it's an eight, which is still really good TV or maybe a seven plus, you just kind of have to react. I, I, yeah. And, I talked about this with Stassi and I said like, you know, how do you sort of answer people who are like, I'm bored now because you're yeah. not always fighting. Cause right. they, they are, they're pretty much all getting along. Yeah. And I think that like, what's interesting is like James is like such a villain this season, but also like that doesn't even read as like authentic to me. Like I believe that they all hate him for sure, but they don't even want to engage. They just want him off the show. So it's like not even, it's not like a fun drama thing. It's like, he basically like, he and Raquel have to kind of like force themselves to like, they have to kind of like create oh God, these storylines to like puppy to get on, to get on screen, but no one wants to film with them or, or do that. And you know, Billy who's like clamoring for screen time. Like she, it doesn't, it doesn't read as real to me because none of them actually want to hang out with her. So th- they kind of all have their friend. They're all friends now and they just all want to hang out. But I think that like, you know what Stassi said is like, I could get more screen time if I were season one Stassi, if I were like, you know, acting the way that I had back then, but like we've all grown so much and I'd rather watch us change and our problems change. And so for me, like Kristen and Carter's relationship oh is like God. actually really compelling TV because so it feels scary. like, but that feels like, like that's super things real. That I have dealt with that. My friends have dealt with. It's totally. very much a part of like being in your thirties and being in a relationship that doesn't seem perfect, but mm-hmm. you're like, this could be my last shot and I want to like make it work. Yeah. And it's a very, and it's, it's like, that's really authentic. And I really like watching that, you know, Lala dealing with, you know, her dad's death and her like realizing she's an alcoholic, like all this stuff is like, that is so much more interesting to me than like, you know, throwing drinks at each other, which is all great stuff to watch. But yeah. like, I think that, the reason this show works and has worked from the beginning is because they were all actually friends and had real relationships. And so I want to watch, I want to watch them actually grow up together and, and, and separately. And 
Uh, so I'm really loving it. So I have a satchel of gold from Nicole in Houston um, that I think you'd like. So, okay, I have to get this off my chest about uh, Vanderpump. The cast is trying to ice people out, and I don't think that's good. The cast needs a shakeup, and they're trying to decide who is quote-unquote in. Raquel may not be a favorite, but they are totally making decisions as a cast. That won't for- work for the show long-term. So what you're saying is it will work for the show long-term if the show is based on authenticity. I think... Okay, so yes. I mean, the question is, like, would the show work without James? Because he's what's bringing the drama right now. And also, will the show work without adding new people? I think that's, like, it's like, do we need the next generation? I don't know. I mean, I think that, like, as close as they are, there's also real strife. It's not like, I mean, like, Katie and Tom Schwartz are married, but they're not not fighting. You know, like, there's still... Tom like, and Ariana are going to continue to go through it with the baby, with the house, with the marriage, with right, the whatever. There's just, there's, there's, it's just different, a different level of drama. It's not going to be the same kind of like explosive, you know, whatever. But I don't think, I don't know. I think it would be hard to add new people. And I think it's also tough with that show because whenever they've added new people, it always feels really fake. It's always like someone they clearly cast. It's like, yeah. you know, even Lala like was clearly not just like hired as a hostess. Like, she was hired to be on the show. Totally. And then left the show and then was like, just kidding. I want to be a hostess again. Right. Um, or someone like Vale, who was like an oh actor. Oh, my God. Right. What but like, mess. I think that it, it's really hard to add people into that. And I think like you see that with people like Billy, and, you know, who's trying desperately to She's be on camera. So and she, is, she, She's she is so, so bad, bad at this. She is so bad at it. She's really bad at it. And I think that like that, it, it's obvious. So I don't know how you kind of integrate into that into that group I find myself getting really frustrated when I watch Billy on camera because it is so false the way that she's behaving is so false and you can see the desperation so she's trying to like emote at a 15 but it's like sweetie you don't actually I was just listening to Stassi's interview with um, Jenny McCarthy this morning and Stassi was talking I think it was with Jenny and Stassi was talking about the fact that like Billy doesn't know these people, so it doesn't ring true when she gets really upset about not being invited to like Britney's engagement shower or whatever, because it doesn't it doesn't make sense in the context. She's not good friends with these people and she's right. upset because she wants to be at these events that are being filmed but for the Billy show. But Billy is also playing by normal Bravo reality show rules where like you kind of accept the fact that when you're like let's say you're like a new friend of the housewives. Yeah. Like you're going to be, you're supposed to be invited to things. That's Barbara how K. it works. Yeah. That's just how it works. Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. if you're not like really as close to them as everyone else, like in the context of the show, like you will be invited and Vanderpump rules doesn't really work that way. And it's interesting because like with the icing out of James, like it, ju- it, it, it's different than when they ice out a new housewife, for example, because like they genuinely do not like James. The rest of them are actually friends and they don't want him on the show because like they don't want to hang out with him. Yeah. You know, Stassi mentioned James to me as someone she's just like never actually been friends with and not like in a like, I mean, she doesn't like him, obviously, but it's not like. They don't have a relationship outside relationship. of school. Right. And I think outside she of school, outside, outside of the show. Well, it feels you know, like school. It's, school. it's Vanderpump University. Um, I do think the one thing the show is struggling with this season that it gets worse and worse every season in terms of being realistic is the fact that we're still supposed to believe that any of them work at Sir. And that they're poor. They don't do the money stuff as much. I mean, yeah, Tom did call his banker to get $50,000 in five. That was weird, but I, I do actually believe he's the kind of person who would, like, write a check from the wrong account. Yeah. I don't think that was... I don't... I mean, I think that was all kind of... That was obviously for the camera, like, the whole briefcase and yeah. shit. But I do, I actually believe that he... Would fuck up. Would fuck up with the check like that. Totally. Um, And it wasn't like I, I... They never made you think he didn't have the money. 
they were just like, you know. Yeah, and the fact that he could call someone whose lower third said banker. I mean, that's right. slightly different. Um, I, I don't. I don't think they're all like rich, rich. If you look at the houses they just bought, like I think that they're like doing well. Yeah. But they're not like housewife rich. No, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Um, but yeah, the thing about them working there is hard because like even in interviews, they never pretend they actually work there. Like we know that they don't work there. So what are we doing? Like why why are we pretending that Lala is like cleaning menus? That's why I think it's actually super important that Tom Tom was done because now they're in an owner owner space. They are genuinely investors in this and they genuinely want it to work out because that can only help their careers and their brands. I guess, but it's funny because like the whole the whole idea of Tom Tom you have to acknowledge that they are famous and a brand unto themselves in order to explain why they are heading Tom Tom, which they are not talking. Which they don't do. They, they never. They never acknowledge that they these people are are reality stars, and totally. that is also tough because, like, when you know, when when uh, Kristen accused Tom Sandoval of cheating on Ariana and like brought that woman in, mm-hmm. like. That was all something that played out in the tabloids, but they had to be like, oh, it was all over Twitter because like you can't acknowledge that they're famous enough to be having radar online stories about them. Whereas on Housewives, they obviously acknowledge that. They do and they don't. I mean, they talk about their friend circles. They talk about their group of friends instead of saying like castmates. Yeah, but they're no, but talking I mean, about like the radar online. Of oh, it my God. Obviously it couldn't be more like breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, which like, is Beverly Hills, but like or Atlanta breaks the fourth wall, I think mm-hmm. the most of all. Mm-hmm. Um, but Vanderpump Rules, they kind of exist in this weird world where like they they have the most authentic relationships of all the Bravo cast, but yeah. also they refuse to admit that they have a fair amount of money, that they don't work in a restaurant anymore, and that they are kind of famous as reality stars. I mean, that's an interesting point and one that was sort of addressed. I interviewed Lala and Ariana this week right. um, backstage at Watch What Happens Live, which guys, I'll get to in two seconds, but... Um, Ariana was talking about I was asking her about the evolution in her friendship with Kristen and how fucking insane it is that they're at this point where they're saying like I love you and like kissing each other or whatever I never would have I genuinely never would have expected that to happen and she was talking about the fact that you know we're seeing it on camera now but that actually happened I think she said in like 2017 or something right well before what we're seeing now that they had gone through it and come to a good place it just so happens that you didn't see it on camera so what we're seeing this season is like them being friendly and like loving each other. And it seems like it's coming out of nowhere. But in fact, that kind of coming together after their, you know, huge seasons long feud is something that happened previously. Right. Right. And, um, sort of connected to that. So guys, I, yeah, but but they, but that's also because they're all actually friends and they hang out off camera. So So they they only only film during the summer every year. Totally. And so of course, like shit's going to happen off camera. Totally. Um, and speaking of shit happening Monday was a historic day in the life of several people, about 20 of them, including myself. So Bravo reached out to some I guess you would call them Bravo influencers across the country they, it was it was framed in a weird way it was framed as certified Bravoholic yes it was which I was fascinated by because I have been using the term Bravoholic for a couple years and hadn't heard of anyone else using it before so I was like oh that's really magical that they're like using this frame so they invited a group of us to come to Bravo HQ at 30 Rock for this crazy day it was um if you are following me on social, I have uh, there was just like 
years of Insta stories throughout the day. But essentially, it was panels with like executive producers, inside looks at teasers of um, and like exclusive um, advanced looks at several of the shows. Um, We had these sessions where it was literally a couple of us, literally 20 of us total and it was the first time this has ever been done by bravo where you would like go into a room and like literally kiki with like cam and austin from southern charm you go into another room and have tea and a talk with dorinda giselle and sonia you go into oh, I didn't an- know giselle was gonna be there I yeah gone. oh my god it was so good and then go into another room and it was like captain lee and um what the fuck the hot guy steve gold but from- i don't but, so my concern was that i don't know that, i don't listing. watch those shows so i don't know what but, i would have done no i think I think it was okay because there were some people I mean I'm a sociopath so I've seen essentially almost every show except for like Apres Ski and a few spinoffs um but there were people there that were like stands for certain franchises and not for others and it was cool like you didn't have to like ask a question I honestly went into this and was like it would be great if I got like a minute or two of content to um bring to like this week's Andy's Girls and guys I had enough exclusive content that coming soon is going to be an exclusive special episode of Andy's Girls the certified Bravo Holic special because there were there was so much I mean so we had this like crazy afternoon I got to ask the executive producer of Real Housewives of Atlanta about Kenya um it was bananas there was a lot that was happening and then we had like a teeny tiny little break and then hoofed it with our Malouf hoofs straight to watch what happens where we got to go backstage I met the Alande brothers from um um, Mexican dynasties who were hilarious and their father Fernando was there who was like a complete stage mom and then um got to like chill with Andy which was amazing and speaking of guys if you're not following me on social media Easter Sunday this Sunday you need to look at my Insta because you're gonna lose your fucking mind I can't wait it's in it was like in, it was literally the craziest night and like they had a private reception for us the entire audience that watched what happens was just us I literally sat on a couch with Lala and Ariana and had a moment with them you know I don't think I recorded this part but I did say to Lala after I was like I just want to let you know that what you're doing with being open um I said not only about the alcohol stuff but also what else was I referencing? I think probably her dad or something or, Oh no, anxiety. And I was like, what you're doing and having this conversation, even if it's elevated for TV specific with the anxiety stuff, it's important and it's valuable. And she just like, we had an actual, like, you know, when you have a connection with someone that's human to human right? and we had a human to human connection where I was just acknowledging and thanking her for, what she's done this season. I mean, if you look at the trajectory of Lala and how she has changed from like, not swamp monster, but like mean girl to like ultra feminist to where she is now, where she's like struggling in life and dealing with the death of her father. And now she's engaged and like, what's going to happen next. And she was like, yeah, I mean, I I have a platform. I want to be able to use it. And I thought that was incredibly important. Don't you think that's kind of part of what we're talking about in terms of Vanderpump rules versus housewives shows. And that like, housewives don't get better they get more and more toxic like if you look at the arcs of like a lot of housewives like they rarely I just feel like I'm not saying they don't have you know they don't have great moments but there are so few redemption arcs because I think that housewives rewards bad behavior more than Vanderpump does and so I think that like there's more authentic growth on Vanderpump rules than there is on any of the housewife shows they're also older but like I just don't see the same thing happening on like 
OC. Yeah, I think about it sort of, I mean, not to be ageist, but I do think a little bit that the Vanderpumpers are truly going through like maturity. They started doing this when they were in their 20s. Everyone in their mother is a motherfucker when you're in your 20s. You have no idea what the fuck you're doing. You're just trying to like pay your rent, get through the day, like fuck whomever. And these other people are on housewives ostensibly at one point it was because they were in fact housewives, but because they either have a career or a family or a marriage, they're just at a different chapter of their lives. It I, makes yeah, more sense. Yes, for I do think you're, you're right. A lot of it is just like an age thing, but I also feel like, and a money thing and a, and a you totally. know, class thing. I just think that like, when I think of the arcs on housewives, like I think of like Vicky getting more and more, deranged right or like it's just not the same kind of like you don't have these like really kind of beautiful arcs of of growing up and like taking responsibility and obviously that's about where you are in your life but it's also about like if this were a housewife show i think Kristen would have to be crazy Kristen forever or get worse and worse no i totally agree with you i think that like she would be rewarded in a different way as opposed to people that she has known before the show being like you need to fucking like get in control of yourself right and i think it's like also fascinating because some of the some of the people on Vanderpump Rules try to have those arcs, but they're just kind of not ever going to have it. Like Jax is like, obviously people keep saying like, he's so much better and he settled down. But like, do we really believe that Jax is like a great guy right now? Like, no. no. Whereas like Lala and Stassi and Kristen have had, to my mind, like very realistic arcs of like of growing up yeah so I want to take a turn from pump rules yeah and I think that this is a good moment to talk a little bit about Atlanta because when you're talking about people and have they improved I start thinking about Portia because I think yes. Portia is an interesting example of someone that came in she was like can't go to a strip club husband bow down um miscarriage like real stuff but also yeah. like Portia wasn't her own independent woman and since she split with Cordell she has come into herself now obviously Obviously, that hasn't been a perfect evolution <laughs> with everything that happened with, um, you know, the sex dungeon rumors and stuff. She has, in some cases, sort of held on to the idea that she is a little bit of a fuck up. And then you watch her. And I really feel like this season she is full butterfly she is dating someone that she is seemingly very in love with she's about to be a mother which is something she's wanted seemingly her entire adult life if not longer she is willing to take on nini and call out nini for her shit well that was the that was her best moment i thought i think that she's had a lot of good moments i think she is the saving grace of this reunion cycle bar none and i think her saying to nini it is not enough for you to just shut down and pretend we're not here and like ghost us while you're filming with us because you think that's a power move that is in fact hurtful to me as a person that you don't think that my feelings matter and that our friendship ever existed is super disingenuous and hurtful and I watched her this week especially and was like thank fucking god for Portia and for the fact that she grew up because first off she wouldn't have lasted this long on the show if she had it because Atlanta is a tough show to survive these women are very smart very funny they can be cruel they can be quick and I really feel like we have watched her blossom and also if I look at a most valuable player of this season and also heading into next season absolutely hands down Portia hands down I I I see what you're saying I've just never been a big Portia fan and I never what for whatever reason like I just I and I, I love so many of the women on that show and it's funny because like 
I like I like love Cynthia, even though I acknowledge she doesn't always bring a lot to the table. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I think that she's I just like love Cynthia. I love Candy, who often stays above the fray. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, Portia, like, it wasn't until the reunion and her calling out Nini like that that I really felt like, oh, here's why she's here. Like, I totally get it. Like, thank God she's here. So I felt what you're saying, but it took me a very long time to get to that point. I think I totally hear you. Also because I just I I believe that she loves the man she's with but I also believe that she was desperate to have a man and a baby and it's very hard to watch this storyline and he just showed up out of nowhere and suddenly they're so in love like that's never going to read as authentic to me it might also be not to compare her to like Bethany and Jason rest in peace but there have been and because a lot of these those kinds of relationships haven't lasted but there have been moments of these women just genuinely falling in love really really quickly which also happens in life of course yeah, yeah. and I don't I'm not saying it's a fake relationship I do think that like as someone sort of brought up at the reunion that it's probable that he was fucking other people. Maybe she was too. They oh, got, totally. They got she just didn't want to own like, up to And then it. she was like, he's, you know, and that's fine. Like, whatever. I, I don't actually care, but that was my whole point is like, I just didn't care about their relationship. I don't, I don't really need to like, I don't need to see it. I don't, I don't need a Porsche to sell me on her happiness. Totally. I'm much more interested in her, you know, when she, in these dynamics she has with like, you know, her ever evolving dynamic with Candy, which is obviously very complicated. So complicated. And I was so excited for them to come back together. And now that there's like a little bit of friction, I'm like, no, 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 no. But, but her saying that to Nini was like such a great moment because Nini's behavior is so heinous. And it's like, it's weird because I was kind of on her side about the Cynthia thing. Because I do think that Cynthia, I don't know, I have, I, I kind of feel like Cynthia set her up. I don't think it was like inten- I don't think it was intentional to like make Nini to take Nini down. I think it was more like Cynthia wants Kenya on the show. But I think that do you think Cynthia knew that Kenya was coming or what? I think so I watched a 30 minute post episode mini app that Candy posted to her YouTube where they went I forget the name of it but they like went fully into production and what was happening behind the scenes and they were both very annoyed with how the show was edited um well because the show was edited to make it look like that it was a conspiracy and And they, they said that there were certain things like them saying the mic's on the mic is hot or whatever you're being recorded is something that the women all say to each other before filming an episode so that the women know that the, the mics are on and audio can be picked up. And also Cynthia was like that moment of her talking to like Mike Hill, whatever the fuck his name is and saying, we have to pretend she's not there. And it was subtitled underneath. She's like, I don't want to say that production is lying, but I never said that. And if you listen to the audio, you cannot hear me say those words. They just somehow magically pulled up those subtitles. All this to say, say I think that Candy and 52 Cent got a little bit fucked by production and how they were manipulating the audio clips to the point that when I first watched that episode I lost my mind and completely believed a thousand percent that it was a crazy conspiracy and having heard their side and you know watching the reunions I think that it wasn't as bad as it was edited however Absolutely. I think that the second that Cynthia decided she wanted to invite Kenya, which by the way, she had every right to, it was her event, her filming. It would have, she knows it would have brought attention to her business by having Kenya there. It's not just as simple as I want my friend back, which she does. It also works in in Cynthia's favor. I absolutely think, think she should have told Nini, even if Nini may have suspected it, she should have just 
texted her, called her and said, listen, I know you might not be thrilled with this, but I invited Kenya and I just want to give you a heads up. It wasn't enough to say I invited Kenya and it was indicated that she wasn't attending. So I didn't feel like I needed to tell Nini. I think that was the wrong move. And I think in that way, Nini, I could understand Nini's perspective of feeling like she was fucked with by one of her friends. I just wonder, like it was, it was... It was edited so aggressively. It was a real choice. And I'm not sure. I wonder if production regrets that now because I don't know if they wanted Nini to have a blow up fight with them. But what happened is that Nini just shut down in like the worst Nini way where she's refusing to engage about anything at all. And Andy is so fed up and it's just like unpleasant to watch. He literally there were moments in the reunion this week where he's like, you don't feel anything. And it's because here's the problem, guys. And the problem with Nini this season is that she's genuinely going through the shit with Greg. It is genuinely she's genuinely being vulnerable in allowing or in signing up for a show that is forcing her to reckon with a serious case of cancer and a case of a marriage falling apart, which is certainly not helped by the cancer diagnosis, but may have had estrangement preceding the cancer diagnosis. And that is general vulnerability. And and Greg and Nini are both brave as fuck um, and should be commended for showing that on TV. However, Nini has had a record since day one of shutting down when she feels like she is above this. She's too much of a star. She doesn't want to engage and she feels like she shouldn't have to because she's the OG. She's the main pit peach. She can tell Tanya to stick a peach up her pussy. You'll never be the star of the show. And but at least that was engaging. At least that was an engaging moment. But in other moments, she doesn't want to give 52 cent attention because she feels like if she gives oxygen if she doesn't give oxygen to the fire it'll die out so her way of trying to figure out if she can force some of these people who were her friends off the show is by simply denying the existence of her own anger some of that I think is real I think that Nini truly does not know what being a friend is I think that Nini truly does think that being a friend is is bowing down to her all the time she is horrible at taking responsibility and being accountable for her own behavior. She is horrible at listening to other people. She is horrible at understanding that other people have feelings, not just herself. She's horrible at understanding that even if she's going through a traumatic experience right now, that's not an excuse for being a dick. And some of that is interesting to discuss, but because she is not allowing anyone to have the conversation, that is not doing herself any favors when we look at how the cast is going to be next season. I mean, she has voted herself off the island before. If I was her, I would think to myself, are they going to give me half of a peach? Right. I mean, all season long, it just seems like that she's reached a point where I'm like, she shouldn't be on this show because she's not handling what she's going through well. And it's not, she's not handling it at all. And it feels very like Taylor Armstrong season two of Beverly Hills where like these breakdowns are just a little bit much. And like, it's, I mean, she's not hiding in a suitcase in Aspen, but yeah, no, but it's uncomfortable. And I don't, I don't want to watch that. And I want her to like, you know, get whatever help she needs and deal with that and not have the extra strain of the show. However, like, at this point in the reunion, I'm more just like angry because I'm like, you're getting paid to do this. This is part of your job and you are sitting there and being an asshole and you're being, it's just, it's just, it's a level of like disconnection that I can't, I, I can't take 
from someone who this is part of their job. And it kills off the vibe for everybody else. No, I mean, this reunion is horrible to watch. Like, what's the yeah, point? It's not you know, great. Aside like, from Portia, honestly, like, what is the point? No, of it? but I mean, like, even that is only in response to Nini shutting down and being completely like, what is the point of having these like women tell her how they feel if she's just going to sit there and she won't talk? Like, if we want to talk about like what happened with Kenya, like, let's talk about it. But she's just like, they're not my friends. I don't care. They're my coworkers. And it's like, okay, well, if that's the case, then work with them. Do something. Yeah, then do your job. If you want to say, like, Cynthia, we're no longer friends, like, fine, but tell her why and, like, do it on camera. Although I have to say that my favorite moment, you know, part three will be, I guess, tomorrow, whatever. My favorite moment was when Marla was going against Shamari, and Marla is just, like, as passive aggressive as a person can be. And she just looks at Andy and she's like, she's like, you know, I can't, like, essentially, I can't fight with Shamari. She's going through so much. And she just looks at Andy and she's like, you know, her business. Like, <laughs> I just died. I started screaming. I was like, oh my God. She's essentially saying like, she's a charity case. You know, she talks about being a star, but she's not her business. It was so there were, there have good. Been, there actually there were have been lots nuggets. of good, there like, like shady moments. My favorite was um, when they were talking about Shamari throwing up on Eva's shoes. Yeah. The Zara card. I, I'll get you a gift card to Zara. And she actually had one for probably is, $70 on the dot. That is actually I thought was actually so funny. A gift card to Zara is like such a shady thing to to bring someone. And you know that Eva used it the Absolutely. next day. Zara is very affordable. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like, I mean, I love that the whole Eva thing with money. It's like so interesting because like all these women pretend to be richer than they are. Not all of them. Some of them are genuinely very rich. But like, like Candy obviously has like a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. But like all of the housewife shows are about people pretending to be wealthier than they are and occasionally getting in trouble either like with the show or like the IRS or, you know, something getting put in jail because they've like tried to keep up with the lifestyle without actually being able to afford it. Listen, Nini said day one, she was the Joneses. (laughs) So now we're just waiting for the Joneses to open their goddamn mouths. Um, Can we take a little bit of a turn because when it comes to opening mouths, that's not a turn that one person should take. Um, I was really nervous when New York began because I felt like this season of New York has been different it's like the child that you have and you know that you love the child and it's just like what's what's happening here in adolescence or whatever (laughs) what is happening to my beloved baby I don't think I like them anymore and I felt like the worst that New York could ever be is still one of the best seasons of all time so I just want to say that New York is my number one for life like absolutely fantastic I was nervous when this season began because we've had several episodes where I'm like what the fuck is happening and also this Dorinda Luann thing when are we going to wrap that up what are we doing and it felt like this is all happening and being drawn out because Luann didn't go to the reunion so they had no way to get all of this out so now it's just seeping into season whatever the fuck we're in I think 11 or whatever um yeah I think last season when they almost died was 10 I think that was like the whole thing with Cartagena um so you know I watched this week which I saw three or four times which is just normal and I was like oh my god this couple things first off Oh my God, the show is back. I thought it was a great episode. Interesting. And number two, my B is back. Bethany 
oh my god if you disagree with me when I no, like come I to I don't I just felt like she is human again we're not it's not skinny girl red every single moment of the day she's talking about Dennis in a way that even if I feel like it's a little elevated because of the show she's still opening up she we're seeing her version of Ray that guy Russ or whatever who she fucked last summer she's talking about oh, he was hot I know I would have fucked him yeah that scene that, that was... pic of them on the beach I'm like I'll bet you were on that beach like it was he is very attractive and knew it um but I just felt like Bethany is human again she's funny it's not just about being cutting and mean and bitchy oh I I but I totally disagree that she's been that way before I think she's been this way all season I think that she has I think possibly, she's having a great season I agree with you I think she's having a great season I think this was a great episode for her I think in yes. previous seasons you and I have gotten into it because I'm like she's being bad she is not good Bethany good Bethany doesn't live here anymore and now I'm like oh my god good Bethany has moved in next door I thought I agree with you um I will say with New York you're right like it they've been doing a lot of wheel spinning this season but with the difference is that like with New York like wheel spinning it's like it's always at least fine yeah like it's never bad it's never like OC or Jersey um or Beverly Hills when yeah, they had, like actually where, where they've had seasons that you're like I can't watch this. it's one. a lost like, season you, we, we watch it because we can't stop because we have a problem but like it's not fun to watch at all whereas New York I've never been like oh my god I'm so bored I can't do this anymore totally um that having been said like yes it was a good episode I just didn't think it was like that much better than the rest of the season I think it's all like I, I did like I did like Bethany and I really liked her and Tinsley mm. having that moment because I think that Tinsley's relationship is so much more fucked up than we realized. Yeah. And Bethany realized it in that moment. Yep. And it was genuinely like, please do not do this to yourself. This I, guy is not good enough for you. And he's also like, I was really creeped out by the way uh, Tinsley was talking about Scott in a way that I did not expect. Like it, He sounds incredibly controlling. And also, again, he does, it seems like he doesn't like the show. Or her being famous. Yeah, and it seems like she is scared of him a little bit. Yeah, She's scared I didn't that, like that he would kill her if she embarrassed him on camera, but it's like, cool. He has no idea who the Tinsley of yesteryear was, which was someone who was very, very focused on being on camera, albeit photos and whatever else. Right. And she's trying to get that back now. Otherwise, she would be living in Chicago right now. There is a real reason that she's still in New York. And that reason is to be on The Real Housewives of right. New York. And the fact that he... I mean, they met on camera. So none of this makes sense to me. And it feels like I can't. I mean, I don't want to be. I felt weird about watching that happen because it felt really real. She's he's definitely doing some version of gaslighting to her. And also she was really vulnerable in a way where she was terrified of losing him. And so her version of trying to keep him was being like, it's okay. It's okay. I'm just like trying to hold this together and make everything work. And our version of making it work is sort of similar to Kristen and Carter, where it's like, I'm in a really shitty position, but I want this to work. It needs to work. It needs to work. I don't know how much of that is based in like my babies and how much of that is based in her really wanting to get married again. And how much of that is based in knowing that Topper just got remarried and now has a baby and like, where is she going to find it? And how much of that is based in well I want to be in a happy relationship but I also want to be a TV star I right. mean it's, I think it's, it's very, complicated I think it's very Stassi and Patrick I think it's very much yeah like, I could see it like Stassi I think and that Patrick, it's like dating absolutely. a controlling guy who's like you know you meet in the context you meet you meet you're on this show and you're like yeah like I have a normal life I happen to film this reality show but like I want to date you normally and I think that maybe Scott didn't realize how much of her life is going to be the show how much of her life especially for someone like Tinsley who's always who's like you know uh, celebutant, like she was 
this was her whole shtick was yeah. that she was like famous. And so I think that maybe he didn't realize that and now does not like it. I don't know if he's like exactly what their conversations are, but it seems like her issue with his issue with, with her is that she's like too much on camera, too famous, whatever. And he is not comfortable with that. And he and doesn't want to def- be made a fool of. Right. And she's desperately trying to Straddle be normal both. with him yeah. and, and figure out how to keep him around. And that is not a great, I mean, the thing is that is not a great relationship to be in. And you should be in a relationship with someone who isn't trying to change you, who you feel you don't have to mold yourself into becoming something else in order to stay with that person. That is a ding, 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 very bad sign. And I got a satchel of gold from Jessica on um, Insta, which says, if you could give Tinsley a come to Jesus talk about her and Scott and the frozen eggs, what would you say? And I genuinely think I would say run. I would say do not concern yourself right now about having kids. That can happen whenever, especially if she already has the fucking eggs. You know, you stick that up somebody else's hoo-ha and out comes a baby. Like, don't concern yourself with age or anything else. Concern yourself with being happy because if she is in a relationship with Scott that is long distance and already fraught with this much complication and tension what the fuck is going to happen if god forbid they got married if he is showing himself to be this kind of person now when they're dating what does that mean when they become man and wife i mean to honor and obey is very different from one couple to another and if you look at some of the successful couples on housewives it's not like i necessarily want to be them but they understand like um heather thompson and what was her husband's name jonathan like that is an example to me of a very successful relationship he wasn't on camera a lot but he seemingly loved his wife for the person that he was and you could feel that adoration through the screen you know for everything that she's done and we'll get to it LVP and Ken Todd is another example he loves his wife so much that he'll make terrible decisions and be a piece of shit but he's also not trying to change her I mean the happy medium would be being with someone who can hold your face to the fire a little bit and can say you're being a fuck up and here's why and you need to understand that Tinsley needs to find her beau Tinsley does need to that's exactly right all things turn to pump rules this week and Tinsley does need to someone to find someone who loves her the way she is and also says here are some things that you need to work on that aren't okay right right and Scott for all intents and purposes is not that guy and she is not going to be happy I mean some people aren't looking to be happy they're looking to be married and and, if, and to secure right and Tinsley is different in the sense that she's pretending that she's happy and that she's happy to contort herself into some circus like position in order to stay with him and that's obviously not working out right I also felt like before Tinsley was like a nothing burger and then she was interesting because of the West Palm and whatever else she gave us a lot this week I had serious issues with how with like essentially the cuntiness of the countess the last several weeks with what she's been doing with um Dorinda and when I watched the trailer for this week I was like oh my god she's gonna do it again in the conversation because it was edited in such a way where it looks like it looked to me like Luann was talking down to her and being kind of a dick and then that scene happened with Tinsley having a seemingly real breakdown about her father. Yeah, that was really good. And I thought Luann handled it perfectly. Mm -hmm. Luann saying, have you heard of Al-Anon and I'll go with you? Yeah. I thought the way that Luann, the grace and the kindness that Luann brought to that conversation, I thought, I was like, where has this 
cool Luann been because for the rest of the season, she's been relatively uncool. And it was a moment where it was like not about the cabaret and not about her being Patty Lapone. I loved it. I mean, she wishes, but I, yeah, no, I, that moment was great. I think that like, it's, it's so hard to have an honest conversation about alcoholism on the show. And I think that especially on this franchise, totally. Cause they're all such luscious. And I think that, <laughs> um, they are, yeah, and, no, they are. um, I liked it because Luann has not really talked about her sobriety beyond like, I'm sober. This is a, sh- this is like my brand, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was like, and, and getting it like the real, like, the real pain that Tinsley feels and sort of like how relatable that is for anyone who's ever been, you know, friends or, or in love with, or, you know, relate like related to someone who's an alcoholic to kind of explain the Tinsley side of things and how she feels. And for Luann to articulate like what alcoholism means to her and to try to explain that to Tinsley and also to the audience who might not understand that it's more than just like wanting to drink and fucking up your relationships because of that. It's not about the alcohol, although in many ways it is about the alcohol. Right. And that's what I connected to a lot with, with um, Lala when I was talking to her this week and also watching Luann. Cause I haven't, I haven't had a drug or alcohol problem, but I have had problems that have stuff to do with getting through the day. Mm -hmm. And when I listen to Luann and Lala talk about, you just take it day by day and you get through the day. I connect with that. And that's like one day at a time, one day at a time. And like, but the reality of that, like what that actually means when you stare in the face is one of the thousands of reasons why I love this fucking show so much. Yes, And I think, but I think that's also like, you know, part of it is like, Previously, I feel like Luann has been all about the sort of platitudes and the one day at a time and whatever. Right. But to break that down into what that actually means yes. is so important. And I think it's very important for anyone who's watching and struggling with any of these issues. And in the same way, I feel like I was so dubious about Bethany grieving on camera yeah, because yeah, yeah. I thought it was so soon. Yeah. But I actually think she's done a really like they have done a great job of showing what grief looks like. Yeah. And what she talked about, like when she talked about dating someone else and what that felt like, yeah. that felt so like, I'm like, yes, on camera. Yes. It's a grief counselor talking on camera, but like that was such an honest conversation about what it feels like when you date someone else after the person you love died. Yeah. And I'm like, anyone who's watching this, who's going through anything similar, whoever has like, this is so valuable. And these shows don't have to like, I'm not saying we watch housewives because we wanted to teach us valuable life lessons, but it's not the worst thing that it does. But it's not. I think it's great to kind of have have both. And I think that New York has been really um, surprisingly has had a lot of like really honest moments. I think will help people. Yeah. And I also think switching gears slightly that what has been great about New York is also seeing when people are pieces of shit about this stuff. Like the stuff that Ramona giving voice to the people that think that addiction is a sign of weakness and not a sign of disease and juxtaposing that with the reality of that conversation this week between Luann and Tinsley, I think is important. And I think it's okay to watch things on Real Housewives, even if they're a little bit triggering to to select viewers, to watch things on Housewives, even if you disagree with them, because I think it's okay okay to watch that stuff play out and I have had an ongoing conversation with viewers and fans of Andy's girls about politics and I went to this you know Bravo exclusive event at HQ and one of the questions we had a panel with genuinely the people that make decisions about which shows stay which shows go and how you know how can we do better 
And the question was raised, do you like seeing politics play out on TV? And I was in on Housewives and I was absolutely in the minority of saying I like it because I like seeing that connection. I like when my universes combine. But I do think that whether or not you're progressive or conservative, there is a huge swath of super fans of housewives who don't want to see it because they don't, they want, they want pure escapist. Even if that escapism is fraught with like alcoholism, drug addiction, um, abusive relationships, divorce, estrangement from children. They want to forget who's president. They want to forget who's president for 44 minutes a week plus commercials. And I have had specifically conservative, um, uh, viewers, uh, conservative folks who are fans of Andy's Girls reach out and say, listen, it is distracting to me when you guys talk about politics and I want to feel like I can be in like a safe space. And my answer to them has been there really is no safe space in the world. And what we talk about on Andy's Girls is sort of the connections that we have not only with these shows, but with life. And we're living in a time when that is our reality. Um, And I say that also noting, you know, like that since the election, I've become the least amount of like politically active that I've ever been in my entire life, including when I was eight years old and I was an eight year old Republican who cried when HW (laughs) lost because I wanted Grandpa America to win. So it's like I hear them. But then I thought to myself when I watched the teaser last week for this week, I was like, oh, y'all are fucked. Not to say that conservatives are fucked, but anyone that doesn't want politics to be on. The teaser for Beverly Hills. Yeah, that doesn't are want politics. Are we going poli- Beverly Hills? Are, are we doing we're taking, it? We're taking a turn. We're going to Beverly Hills because I thought, oh my God, you guys are fucked. Not to say conservatives are fucked, but people who don't want politics on TV because Andy Scrolls is going to talk about these shows as they happen. And a part of that this week is going to be talking about the conversation and contention between essentially Camille and everybody else at that right. table. Well, let me say, so like basically I am a very non-confrontational person. Yeah. And so I understood, I understand the instinct that Kyle had at that dinner. And obviously we're going to really go into this. Yeah, we are to say, we don't talk about politics at the table, you know, like that's trying to diffuse tension by being like, because big Kathy told us to never speak right. our emotions, but also because they were fighting about politics and it's uncomfortable. And there is a point, there was a point at which I would have done the same thing because I want to like not have people fight in front of me. But I just think these issues are too important at this stage in our lives and it, where we are in the country to like to brush aside. And so I think Rinna brought up the Kavanaugh stuff out of like genuine horror. What was, it was happening. That day. It was happening. Right. That but day. I think that like she's usually so she brings up stuff on camera very deliberately, I would yeah. say normally. And I think she genuinely just wanted to talk about it. And I think Camille was genuinely angry in response and didn't think about how she was going to alienate probably a lot of viewers with what she said. And also her cast members. That's where well, she was crying. I thought, cause she knew that she dug herself into a little bit of a corner and was upset about it. Uh, who knows? But, she, but I, but I was like, I was frustrated with Kyle because while I understood the instinct as a Libra, I was <laughs> like, I also was like, you can't brush this aside. And Camille was saying some incredibly damaging things and, and, and factually inaccurate things. Like to say that if a woman doesn't come forward doesn't immediately, come forward never with, happened. Didn't, didn't tell her parents it didn't happen is yeah. like a very, is not true and is also incredibly damaging. It makes it harder for women to come forward. So 
I think you need, if you're going to, like, I think you need to counter that and you need to have someone say, here's why that's not true. Yeah. I think that it was very helpful that we find out that fucking Lois almost got murdered by a serial killer. Right. I think it was very helpful. I forget the woman's name with I dark know, hair. I forget her name too, but that she was, that she talked about being a victim. Linda, and- I want to say, I know that's wrong, but she talked about being a victim and she's like in seventh grade or whenever the fuck it happened. The fact that Camille believes these things, noting that she herself is a survivor of abuse. And I'm not talking about Kelsey. I'm talking about that fucking Greek guy with the big dick. She went to court against him and said that he abused her. And the fact that Camille looks at this situation and doesn't see the face and soul of the survivor and the woman coming forward, that Camille herself is a survivor. And because her narcissism is so great, she immediately goes into the place of, because I was on the cover of Us Magazine season one, I think that someone accused of sexual assault and rape is someone to be protected. I found that endlessly fascinating I mean I watched last week when I watched the teaser for this week I couldn't stop laughing because I thought it was insane I mean we talk about Camille it's I think it was Brian Moylan who termed and created this term as Saint Camille of grammar we talk about her because when she brought up Taylor's abuse on camera whether or not that was fed to her by LVP when she brought up Taylor's (laughs) abuse on camera it it absolutely was it opened up a door to a different side of Camille and then the joke became because she'd left the show and would only come up in these highly controlled cameos where she was sweet and she was funny and she would talk about Kelsey's dick and whatever else and it was lovely and it was fun and now because she wants to be back on the show, we're seeing more of her. And because when we see more of her, she's more susceptible for revealing some dark truths. I just find it fascinating that she's making this sacrifice in order to get a full-time right. diamond. I think Camille is an awful person. And I think that she did a good job of convincing us otherwise for many years. I think she's... Yeah, we, she was heavily coached. We gravitated toward her... Yeah, she she got a... I forgot his name, but she got a great publicist. How, I want to say it was Howard Bragman. It was Howard Bragman, yeah. And she, she like has had the most successful redemption arc of any housewife ever. She had a full-on villain edit season one. I mean, she was... For, for a reason she did that but she was she the most was, hated housewife she was the, of, she the was country. absolutely the yeah. villain and I think yeah. it was also fascinating because we don't often see that anymore like I think people get like you know they're hated housewives because they're just not good on the show but like she, she was, was liquid evil she was horrible to watch she was such a narcissist she was so obsessed with herself and so awful and such like you know it was just it was crazy and then she came back and suddenly we loved her and that never happens never happens and I think but this season you're seeing like these cracks in the veneer, you know, like her in the last episode, her saying, you know, before the, the Kavanaugh thing, her saying like that LVP like fixed her teeth and at least now you can stand her breath. And it was so like nasty. Oh, well, see, and I thought was, that was funny. I thought she was just trying to be funny. It was funny until she said, at least now you can stand her breath. I thought yeah. That was a nasty thing to say. And I thought it just kind of showed that she is not a nice person because she's been trying so hard to be like, I'm a gay icon. I'm fun. I'm like, I'm light. right. It kind of reminds me of Erica in a way who, you know, I think we feel differently about Erica because I can't stand her. Yeah, um, we feel differently about her. I can't stand Erica Jane. And I think that she um, is someone else who is trying very hard to have an image that is of like this fun, you know, gay icon gay icon and actually she has a very nasty side and it comes out like with erica kind of a lot more often than it does with camille like eileen when she was she felt triggered yeah right whatever she's 
heinous. But I think that yeah, we disagree. We disagree, but um, I'm right, and and so <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's fine. We were allowed to have different opinions. Um, but I am right. But I but I think that with with Camille, yeah, it's been really fascinating to watch, and this was such a like the Kavanaugh. This is like such a crazy kind of shift for her. Cause I don't think I can ever look at her quite the same way again, you know? And I know that like later in the season, they're going to kind of talk about like her house burned down, which obviously is very sad. And like, yeah. I have compassion about she that. She gets into it with Dorit. Um, but in terms of like trying to like look at her as like a sympathetic character, like I'm going to have a hard time with that because this was such a, like it was, it's not just that her politics are different than mine. It's that she equated being called a liar or whatever Kelsey said about her to being accused of sexual assault. It's just like so wildly out of line with like anything. And that she not only like, there were a lot of conservatives who were like, I believe that Dr. Ford was assaulted by someone. I think she's wrong about who it was, which whatever was a bullshit like excuse, but Camille was basically saying she was just a liar. That's what she was saying. She was saying she didn't have enough proof. She was, but she was saying she was a liar. Whether she said it in those words or not, she was saying if someone doesn't come forward and tell their parents back then, it didn't happen. She was saying Dr. Ford was a liar. So I I can't look past that. I can't move past that with her. I actually, and I think it was helpful. I actually like that they were having that conversation. I like that she was at least saying out loud what a lot of people and a lot of women in this country were saying. It wasn't as simple as like, you know, we talk about believing women. A lot of people don't feel like that is something that women are something totally. to be believed outright. So I appreciated that she was at least saying it, even if I vehemently disagreed. And I appreciated Rena stepping up and being like and challenging her. Right. I thought it was helpful. I have a, um, a satchel of gold from Tess in San Diego. I was very afraid more housewives would agree with Camille. So I was very relieved that she seemed mostly alone on that hill. Even the worst Dorit didn't agree with Camille. Politics on these shows always give me so much anxiety because I know it's going to reveal that someone I like has problematic or downright terrible views. And that kind of shatters the escapist nonsense I came or I come to these shows for. I love the housewives mostly because their petty bullshit and extravagance is an escape from the dumpster fire of reality these days. It's extra tough to relive and relitigate some of these political issues so many months after they've happened in real time. Yeah. And I hear, and that's like, I totally hear Tess and, it's not something the reason I wanted to talk about this and was so happy to have you on today to talk about it specifically with you is because I don't think ultimately this is a conversation about Democrat versus Republican. I think it's a conversation about what viewers look for in these shows and what can trigger people from truly enjoying them. I don't think a little bit of trigger is a bad thing. I don't I don't think no, but it's, I, I also think that if you are, you know, if you are a survivor of, of sexual assault and you can't watch this episode, like I think you shouldn't watch it. I think there are certainly people of who course. don't want to have who who like for for like very personal reasons, like actually can't watch this stuff, which I understand. Um, definitely. And I think that if you have an, a problem with alcohol or drug addiction, right. it's very hard to watch James spiral down. And it's probably hard to watch what Luann has gone through. Right, and it right. might also be hard to watch what the fuck Sonia and, um, and, um, and, uh, really anybody Ramona, do you want to <laughs> say really, I could pull any name out of that hat when it comes to New York. I mean, 
there are experiences that I could share that I just don't feel like sharing that made what Camille said to me. It was just, it was one of those things where she was talking and I was like, that's factually incorrect. And I can like literally tell you my life experience and why I didn't tell anyone for 15 years. What's the shit that's happened to me. I mean, I think most women in this country, the sad thing is that like when Rena says, I've never experienced any of this in my life. And she knows that she's in the minority. She absolutely is in the minority for a reason. It just so happens that, myself my soul wasn't triggered by this and I was in fact intrigued but I understand and appreciate why there are a lot of people saying I don't want to see this on my tv but but there's certainly a difference like to your point like I think that it's all there is like there's actually being triggered and like I can't watch this and and this is like psychologically damaging for me and I'm uncomfortable because I don't want I don't want to find out the women that I love on these shows are, are bad people or are, are, are in moral disagreement with my right. principles. And I think that a lot of that is the fact, and, and there's a reason why, um, you know, for my newsletter, I, I wrote about this high drama, high drama, uh, lewispeitzman.substack.com. I wrote about sort of a little bit of the context of politics on these shows and yeah, why, why we see very little of it. Um, and I think a lot of that is that, you know, while I think the viewership is actually more politically diverse than we realize, Bravo itself as a whole is going to skew more liberal, you know? And so I think that when we do see politics on the shows, um, it's rarely uh, conservative politics. It's rarely, it's like we see on Atlanta, Atlanta, they, you know, they advocate for liberal causes. They've talked about Black they Lives Matter. They went to that DC march. The, the Atlanta housewives, I think, are the most political of all of them because they're all Democrats and because they're not, they're not afraid of alienating their viewership with that. They know their viewership is largely going to be um, women, black women in particular. And so they're, they know that they have, that they're preaching to the choir a little bit. Whereas on OC, there are a lot of people watching OC who are liberal who do not want to know these women are all Republicans. They're all Trump voters. And so we don't see any of that. You know, early on we did. Lori went to like some Republican fundraiser, like she's in one or two, two I With think George? it was. Yeah, I think it was. Yes, yes, it was something. Oh, right, when she was putting on necklaces. Why do I remember these I things? I have no idea why yeah, you remember that. Yeah, I totally that. get it. Totally get it. Um, she went from the Playboy party to being a fucking. Um, right, right, yeah. right, right. And so, you know, even on New York, when we know that they're not all politically aligned, the Trump voters on that cast just didn't acknowledge it. They wouldn't talk about it. No, they talked about the fact that they were big readers because they read the New York Post in sure. print we, and then we know wanna, that we, wanted to decline telling their vote. I still believe that Luann voted for Hillary, but. What? Uh, we're not going to have this debate right it, now. She definitely did not. She and she loves going to Mar-a-Lago, just like Jill Zarin, who said, I like both sides of the coin because I have my head so far up Eric Trump's ass. You couldn't believe Ugh. it. Well, Jill voted, I, Jill voted for Trump. Jill voted for Trump a thousand percent. Ramona, and she's like, I'm going to cameo I, at the march. Ramona, I think either didn't vote. No, Ramona voted for Trump. Well, I, I think she, if she voted, she voted for Trump, but I could see her just not voting. Anyway, my point is that like, I the people on the Housewives who declare on New York who declared who they voted for, they were all Hillary voters. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Because right. they know that like they know their audience. They know their audience. They know that New York is a a more liberal place that, you know, and and they get it. And so I think it's interesting. This is like that's why it was so fascinating to me that Camille was expressing this for a variety of reasons, but also because it's so rare to hear that side of the political spectrum yeah. on these shows. And that's why I felt like it was helpful to hear it. I do think it was helpful. I also feel like, you know, for me personally, like this is an issue that I can't look past with Camille. I can't get past it. It was just too much for me. It was too much for her to say, I don't believe this woman. 
and and the shit she was spewing that was like just incorrect about sexual assault survivors is harder for me to look past than someone just being a Trump voter, which is bad enough. You know what's so interesting is that I am a woman and a survivor of sexual trauma, and it's not that I am able to look past it, but I think I can just look at Camille and being like, you are insane. You are a complete narcissist. And I can continue watching you on TV while I vehemently disagree with you because you are season one Camille again. Like you, you actually think that you have a Jesus complex because you actually think you are very similar to Jesus Christ. Like I did an Insta poll this week of like who has been through more of a struggle, Camille or Jesus Christ. And (sighs) you know, Jesus Christ won like big surprise, but it's fascinating to me. I don't look at it as because you're saying something that I think is morally repugnant. I don't want to see you on TV. I look at it as like, you are in my eyes completely off the wall bonkers because right. of this. And yeah, give us more, please. It's very tricky for me. And I'm not saying that I'm like going to turn it off and can't watch her on camera. Yeah. I'm just saying that like it taints her for me forever in a yeah, way I that other, the other shitty housewife behavior doesn't. Yeah. Their housewives do shitty repugnant things all the time. Yeah. And I get past it or whatever. But I think this is just too important to me to kind of, and I'm not saying it's not important to you. I just mean that, like, I I have a harder time ever embracing. I'm gonna have a hard time ever embracing Camille in the future. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like with Kelly Dodd, where like yeah, once the veil is once once Kelly Dodd literally says I don't terms, like black people, right. I'm like or or when I or when um Danielle has used racial slurs like <laughs> like you need an excuse like to hate Danielle. Excuse, no, but you know what I, you know what I mean? Like I can never Adorable. I can never like that's different. You can never you can never walk that like yeah, that's yeah, different than you. just like you know people being assholes. I think you're a cunt yeah right. where I'm like or you know sometimes it takes me a long time to get back to someone like Camille was so awful season one that like it took me a while to kind of like love Camille because I was like this woman was horrible and then yeah. season two I'm like what is happening I right. kind of like her and yeah, then I yeah. loved her and whatever I'm just saying like it it's a different kind of 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 tainting of the housewives that is harder to get past. And it's interesting you said that because someone um sent me an uh satchel via Insta story and said, Is Camille Donatachi still Saint Camille? I mean, did Saint Camille ever exist? I loved it. Fascinating. I, I played into it because I thought it was a joke. I mean, I never thought that she was I would call her Saint Camille of grammar. I would joke about having her on an altar. Maybe she's right about this Jesus complex. Maybe I really did think she was like the deity or son of. Um but like, did that, did that ever exist? I think I totally fell for it. I think that I think I, what I felt was that like, it was so easy to make an excuse for her behavior season one, because it was like, she's going through it. She's being cheated on by her awful husband who never treated her well to begin with. Ugh. You know, he, Kelsey was so terrible that it was easy to look past, look, look back at that and, and be like, of course she was deeply insecure. Of course she like thought Kyle was saying shit she wasn't saying, you know? So like, that whole the whole initial fight that like spurred everything was about Camille feeling like Kyle was saying she didn't matter without Kelsey. But like I I totally understood that insecurity and so like I allowed myself to say like yeah she was she was awful to everyone and she was such a martyr or whatever but like maybe she was going through something so real and this is the real Camille post Kelsey. So totally hear you. I asked listeners, I was like, essentially tell me your thoughts. Did you like that this was on camera? What did you think? And here are some of the responses. Um, so it was like, what did you think watching uh, Camille versus um, Rena or, you know, whomever else play out on camera? One person said the most disdain for Camille Donatachi grammar I've ever experienced in my life. Someone else said it was painful. Someone said like I was ripped right back in time to the hearings. It was rough, but I'm glad Lisa fought. Someone said, get this shit off my TV. 
TV. Someone said, finally, something else besides talking about LVP or the poppy, which I agree with. Um, Someone said, I'll take anything that's not dog related. Someone said bored. Someone says, I also felt, oh, um, uh, uh, Camille was just really projecting and it infuriated me. I also felt bad for that friend who is survivor and like who doesn't even get a diamond. Someone said a new respect for Lisa Rinna and a steep fall from grace for St. Camille. Someone said it made me love Rinna more and I hope she gets a spinoff with Harry where they just talk. Someone said, um, that's actually interesting. Someone said Camille lives in a bubble. Denise was smeared in the tabloids too as a terrorist, which I want to get to with you. And someone said, I found it interesting to watch. I can't remember ever hearing a liberal say, let's not discuss politics. And another person said, I'm team LVP, but I'm glad Lisa Rinna and Teddy defended survivors and Kyle is a coward for saying nothing. Um, and there's a whole lot more, but I'm not going to get into everybody's thoughts. Um, so that was a that was like a super really satchel. I did appreciate to the listener. Um, oh, God, what, what was your name? Um, to this uh, Callie, who said Camille lives in a bubble. Denise was smeared in the tabloids, too, as a terrorist. I was thinking about that while I rewatched Beverly Hills before you got here for the eighth or 14th time this week's sure. episode, because Denise really went through it to a larger Camille being called a dick and like the most hated housewife on the cover of us or whatever it was. Sure. That's a lot. And I can't imagine what that's like to go through. But Denise went through it for years yeah. with stuff that was leaked by Charlie also, and his very Camille expensive was an asshole, PR machine. So being called an asshole was a little different than Denise right. being called all these things that she wasn't. Yeah. And the more we've heard, I mean, for a very long time, I fell for it too. I believed that Denise Richards, when I heard about her and heard about the divorce, I fell for what the PR, what Charlie's PR machine was pumping out, which was a steaming pile of bullshit. And it turns out, you know, at the end of the day, the truth usually does come out. And it turns out Denise was actually like as close to a fucking heavenly angel as a person could get. I mean, she doesn't in fact have a Jesus complex, but she might be the one that's closest to being like Jesus Christ superstar on that show. And watching her sit there through the conversation, I don't, judge her for not inserting herself because I think her reaction shots were enough. But I also wondered, I wonder what Denise is thinking right now when she's listening to Camille sort of self implode through her own narcissism and thinking about Denise's experiences as someone who really was vilified. You know what react, whose reaction I would love to have in this conversation. Dorit's. Um, Candy Burris. <laughs> Yeah, but like truly, because I think the yeah. only the only like comparable situation is that Candy Burris actually was accused of being of, a sexual predator, of being a sexual predator, and of of trying to commit sexual assault, plotting, not actually trying it actively, no, but plotting. She was she was she was accused of of trying to right of of plotting a, yeah. a sexual assault. Like that is the only remotely comparable situation, and and Candy obviously was falsely accused. Yeah, um, which is of course a rarity, and, and I, is I think now like, monetizing like, it. Good for her. And I like like I sure I'll hear her perspective on this, but for but what Camille and Denise went through, as horrible as those, those things are, have nothing to do with Brett Kavanaugh. So it was like I don't think Denise would even I don't think Denise would have even made that leap because I don't think anyone who's ever been let, like. It's not the same thing at all. That's why it didn't trigger me because we weren't really talking about sexual assault. We were talking about Camille being Looney Tunes. It's not, I'm not saying that, that it, 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 to me, it wasn't a political conversation with someone that was truly saying she couldn't be believed because she didn't tell her best friend. Cause at the end of the day, the dots that Camille were, con- was connecting were connected to herself and to being on Beverly Hills season one. Yes. However, 
I think that that you're you're right about that. At the same time, politics is so tribal right now. And I if you know. looked at if you, lo- if you looked at the responses to um, to the Kavanaugh hearing, it was so clearly divided between Republicans and Democrats. And Camille is a Republican. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I believe that if Camille were a Democrat, she would have felt just as strongly about the smears against Dr. Ford. Who yeah. was who was smeared in the in the conservative press and still has death threats and, 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 and still her. does and so can't live so, in a house that she so has. like what 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 Dr. Ford a survivor has gone through is a lot closer to what Camille has gone through than what Kavanaugh right. is going through and therefore like I see what you're saying it's not entirely about politics but Camille's stance here is motivated by her being a Republican no you're totally right and so like that's interesting to me too because I think that like there's a version of Camille a more liberal version of Camille that would have been like I am so horrified by what Dr. Ford has gone through and I'm crying about that because I know what it's like to have your name dragged through the mud in the press just because you spoke honestly about a man and I wonder I wonder if this was really something I mean Rinna talked about it and it felt very natural and organic to, for Rinna to bring it up because it was like why is Harry Hamlin not here because he's watching the TV and you know some listeners looked up the voting records of housewives and they said that like Rinna has voted in every single election and every midterm and everything since whatever I think it was like since the year 2000 or something yeah. which is amazing yeah but I think it was or- organic for Rinna and I wonder for Camille like did Camille go? I know that Camille, the day of the hearings, was tweeting stuff about Kavanaugh. She she tweeted she had tweeted a lot of shit about like, um, I remember at the time being like, "Fuck Camille is terrible" because she was tweeting. Yeah, she, she was, was retweeting right, things right. about like Dr. Ford being a liar right. and all this shit. And I found that curious as it happened following her Twitter account in real time. And I wonder if Camille walked into that scene and thought, "Is this going to come up? And what do I say? Or what I think?" Was this just a visceral gut reaction? Because there is no way a publicist would have advised her to say the stuff she had because it makes her look so narcissistic. It was absolutely a visceral gut reaction. Which, God there bless. Was, there was no way she thought that was going to go there. She thought they were going to talk about LVP for the 8,000th time because so they don't talk about politics in these shows. So I don't think that like she was ready for it at all. Um, Speaking of real or fake, what did you think of um, fucking Kim and Kathy being there? Was that set that up? That was weird. I don't think it was, it was so set up. I don't think it was set up. K- Kyle saying, was this an accident or whatever was whatever the phrasing she used. It was just so odd to me. It was just so strange there's no reason why that would have been planned because it wasn't they weren't integrated enough for it to be a thing it just felt like it was actually something that happened and kathy wasn't wearing tv makeup no which i think, that, think i think they, i think they just were happened to be there so strange it was really strange and i think that like such a weird ending it was yeah it was interesting but also like i think that it's just a matter of like weird timing um speaking of weird timing what do you think the likelihood is that uh LVP will ever bring herself to filming with anyone I'm else aside so from confused Denise and a fridge. As to what's happening. We saw we saw a scene with LVP and Denise in like the mid season trailer. Um but it seems like LVP is effectively off the show at this point, and I'm wondering why they didn't take her diamond away. Yeah, I kept thinking about Aviva and when Aviva right. refused was, to go on vacation, they humiliated her. They publicly humiliated her, which was, I was into. That was a that was a punishment. But there have been other cases of housewives that have left mid-season Lori Gina uh are there any non-OC examples I mean this happens um those are the ones I can think of can you think of any others where they left mid-season Gina Manzo 
uh, the first time. Did Dina leave mid-season? Yeah. And they just end up not being in the credits. And sometimes they add another housewife in mm-hmm. to replace them. And mm-hmm. sometimes they just don't show up. Like, I was actually sure before the season started when I saw, when I read that kind of report of everything Lisa had filmed. Yeah. I thought LVP was just going to, like, mid-season be out of the So did I. I thought she was going to disappear. And I think that she, frankly, should if she's not willing to film at all. I, I do not. I could not care less about her kitchen. I could not care oh, less. Oh, me neither. I think it's comical that they're like, this is a storyline. I'm renovating my kitchen. It is like... Camille's fridge is laughing its ass off it right is, now. It is so silly. And I think that... You Not know, Camille, Yolanda's fridge, Yolanda's fridge. She doesn't want to do this anymore. She didn't like the fact that she everyone's against her. And I don't blame her for that. But also, like, if you're not going to be on the show, you're not on the show. You can't, you can't, what, you disagree? I'm giving a face. It's not that I disagree, but I feel like she owes us, the viewers, oh, sitting no, through I, the reunion. I Oh, absolutely. I agree with you. I'm Otherwise, s- this whole season was lost. No, 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 no. I agree with you. I'm saying that, like, if she's not willing to, if yeah. she wasn't willing to film, right. she should not be in the, she should not be in the opening credits. However, either way, she needs to be part of the reunion. Absolutely. Yeah. Andy went on a tangent. He said, while well, like, Ben was, like, sleeping on him or something the other night and was doing a lot of, like, uh, he did, like, a legit Twitter Q&A and someone said, is LVP going to show up to the reunion? And he said, I hope so. And that is concerning to me because we all have hope but uh, you know I got into this with I think Damien a couple weeks ago which is like what I think I I listened to this one oh holler which is like (laughs) what which is like what is gonna happen with LVP and I felt I don't remember what side I was on oh my god which was like what's gonna happen with LVP can she just not show up because she has so much power with pump rules or can they force her to do that because they have so much power with pump rules? And I keep thinking that, you know, like the whole thing happened with Adrian, her last act as a housewife is not showing up. And I just think that Lisa is in so much more of a power position than Adrian Maloof was. That <laughs> Comparing Lisa to Adrian Maloof is like, like apples and Vanderpumps. I mean, right. like it's just totally different. And I, I am very nervous because I, if if Lisa goes on Watch What Happens and says, I refuse to watch episodes, but I'm still going to argue with you about the content of them. And Andy looks at her because he really held her feet to the fire. And he at one point was like, watch the episodes. Like, you cannot disagree with the content of the episodes if you have not watched the episodes specifically about Kyle's behavior. And she sort of like smiled or whatever. And I just think, I think she's watched every episode. But even if she hasn't, how much... What what is going to happen if she doesn't show up to Beverly Hills but maintains her role as the executive producer or whatever role she has on Pump Rules and the name behind it? I mean, I don't buy into this whole I'm super innocent, but you also know, but you guys should be thankful that this is even happening. I hear that a lot from LVP stands where they're like, it's not about whether she leaked the story. It's about the fact that aren't you grateful she's given us plot? And, and my response is, of course I'm grateful she's given us plot. Of course I'm grateful that she's manipulated stuff behind the scenes. But the question is, has she actually done it? You don't get to say that, thank God we bow down to her because she's given us so much and she's been so good for the show and also say, like, she's an innocent lamb in all this. Right. It's weird to me. I, yeah. And I've, I, I've gone so back and forth on her this season and yeah. on, like, and on, on Puppygate. Like, I really change my opinion every week and not because I'm just fickle, but because, like, it's, evidence keeps coming out and I feel differently. Evolving. And I think where I basically fall at this point is that I think she did leak the story. I think I don't care because Dorit deserved it. And I think that, um, 
I wish she would own it. Or, you know, I think that that's where I stand. But at the same time, I am very frustrated by her being like Nini, by her being yeah. like, I'm better than this and I'm not going to engage. And and I just don't want to. And because she just, yeah, exactly. Because she just feels like she doesn't need to. Right. And I, I, I am also worried that she won't show up for the reunion. I'm worried that she'll get like, uh, she'll show up for like a half of one. Yeah. Or she'll and do what a special the hell are they going to talk thing? about? There's nothing to talk about. There's she hasn't nothing. watched the show. She's going to talk about but how no, much she I, loves I gay mean, people I mean, and without, puppies. I mean, without Lisa, what are they going to talk about? What is there to rehash? They're going to talk about Lisa without Lisa being there, which is a what waste the season of all of our, has a been. A waste of all of our time. And they're going to hope that hope that Dorit and Camille um, are going to be fucking into it. And, you know, and that there will be something there. I mean, the, these women keep on coming out in press interviews and being like, just wait for the second half of the season. It's really fun. I don't know how I feel feel about fun. fun no it's never a good sign that means that like we're gonna like and beverly hills has had full seasons where nothing happened and they were just having fun yeah and I, I just don't care they're not that exciting i'm sorry but i i i think that like the reunion will be really hard i also think that per the vanderpump rules point like it's interesting because the show obviously requires lisa she's in the title and she's a producer and it's her baby she rules but also like does anyone care about Lisa on that show anymore? It doesn't. It's like. She's it's, not part of. I mean, what is she doing? Like, yes, there's her and the Toms, but like, that's such a like, like, no one really cares about that. How does the sun and the moon work where like one goes around the other one? You know what? Let's not talk about um, astronomy, astronomy or astrology. She's like one of the. Um, so she's the sun or the moon or maybe she's the stars. I'm going to let you puzzle I'm going to start thinking about the Saigon in my um, head. I, I think that like. <laughs> There's no longer because there used to be a, t- a point at which like Katie would go to Lisa for for like advice, marital advice, yeah, or, or whatever. Or um, Lisa and Stasi had this like mentorship, like contentious relationship, or Lisa and Kristen's like feuding mattered. All this stuff that doesn't matter anymore. Sheena, who's barely on the show anymore because no one cares about Sheena. <laughs> Poor Sheena. Oh my God, Saucy's Saucy Pray had for all Sheena. Saucy's had all this shit about Sheena that I wasn't able to include. That was like what? so. Fucking Does she hate funny. her? It's, no, she was like she, she thinks she could be the Bachelorette. Well, that's what Sassy wants to produce a Bachelorette style show for Sheena, which I think is hilarious because she thinks that Sheena is the least self aware person next to Sonia Morgan, and I thought that was a great <laughs> comparison. Stassi loves New York House. That is gold. It's, it's her, it's it's her favorite, and I think that like Stassi totally gets Sheena. But yeah, I mean Sheena and Lisa, like that was like Sheena's connection was like Lisa, like Sheena, and no one else did, and Lisa kind of forced her to like be part of everything. Yeah, and film with Brandy. But basically, like. All that to say, Vanderpump Rules could easily lose Lisa or have her be in a couple episodes and no one would notice. I don't think that she, I don't think Lisa's presence on Vanderpump Rules matters, but I don't, I don't know in terms of like logistics if they could do that because I think she is probably too powerful in in terms of that show. Yeah. I don't know that she's the straw that stirs the drink, but I think she bought the glass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. But I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how she would let them get around from not including her. Totally. And especially if she's losing her diamond or throwing it away. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm trying to figure out also how much power she has and how much power Bravo has. Because like, yeah, that's like, like I know that I heard you and Damien talking about this and I don't know. I honestly don't know like what kind of power struggle is happening. I'm fascinated by it. But I don't, I, I worry that because of Vanderpump rules, which they won't cancel. Please don't cancel. Um, we'll never cancel. They better not. I worry that she could just not show up to the reunion and that kills me 
Because that is such a waste of time. Or that they, they do a fucking XL size glass of um, Vanderpump Rosé like what they did with Brandy or with Kim after rehab or they do or with Lou when Andy went to film with her in the Hamptons where it's like this random sidebar conversation that's going to do nothing because we saw Andy do that already on Watch What Happens. He did a fantastic job and she wouldn't she she owns she says she's super smart but also hasn't watched the app. So it's like you can't have both sides of the coin and and I've already seen that. I watched that episode of Watch What Happens twice. It's great. There's nothing else for me here. Right. And she doesn't have to take responsibility if she doesn't know what the conversation is, which is why she says repeatedly that she hasn't watched the show. It's not because she knows they talk shit about her. It's because she doesn't have to involve herself in the conversation if she cuts it off at its legs by saying, I didn't watch it, so I can't answer these questions. It's the smartest thing to do. Yeah. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. And I'm just genuinely annoyed because if she won't do press with these people to promote the show, what is the likelihood she's going to put herself, sign up to be like, in front of the firing squad even if it's deserved yeah it's yeah. just a no, downer I, it's, a I downer. Totally it's high drama lewis peitzman it's high it drama is high drama um lewis peitzman i follow you on twitter i love you and everything what is your twitter handle is it in fact lewis peitzman it's at lewis peitzman what is your instagram it's at lewis peitzman look at that um guys tweet us your thoughts and feels at sarah galley instagram is at dame galley i'm gonna post a, a photo um of myself and lewis maybe after depending on how i feel like my face looks um so we'll put that selfie up and also look at my instagram on sunday and comment with your thoughts and feelings it's going to change your life stay tuned for that special episode of the um certified bravoholic special which uh, with a lot of content including um some interesting conversations with cameron about ashley on southern charm and um who would list steve gold's um uh, apartment on um, from Million Dollar Listing and some real conversations with Dorinda, Giselle, and Sonia and so much more. And guys, RSVP for the Kiki with SG, yours truly in London, May 12th at 7 p.m. Bring um, just your sass and maybe who knows we'll record a little bit for a future andy's girls cheerio rsvp for you and whomever else you want to bring uh andy's girls show at gmail.com um just let us know if you can come may 12th somewhere tbd in london town at seven o'clock it's probably gonna be a little bougie maybe someone can bring some vanderpump rose i wonder if she sells internationally she must she's she must. she's british she is um lewis peitzman such a pleasure as always um so much high drama the highest the highest of highs and it was so fun to kiki with you and i look forward to having you back soon i would love to be back amazing bye guys bye. we'll kiki with you next week i love saying kiki i am a nightmare okay bye <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>